Major League Baseball is finally back as the new season gets underway. The Ringer Podcast Network has baseball fans covered with the Ringer MLB show, playing exclusively on the TuneIn app for the month of April. On top of that, the Ringer Podcast Network has partnered with TuneIn to give baseball fans a free 30-day trial of TuneIn Premium to listen to every live home call of every MLB game around the league. Catch the Ringer MLB show only on TuneIn during April. And with your premium subscription, listen to MLB games on TuneIn. Just go to TuneIn.com slash Ringer and subscribe. Download the TuneIn app and start listening today. TuneIn your everything audio app. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon and joining me today is John Gonzalez from the ringer.com. Hey John. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I feel like, uh, this was, this was reached an error like chris ryan made some sort of clerical error but i'll take it this is untrue um because you ended up writing about two things that have gone on in the nba this week that are super super interesting before i get to that yesterday uh for those of you that tuned into the ringer nba show you know uh, i did the show with zach harper and one of the predictions that we made on the show was that the Cavs would lose to the tnt bulls and then we would wake up this morning to a Brian Windhorst article where LeBron's crapping on everybody. And I will say, like, we went 100% on that prediction. Sure enough, John, I don't know if you noticed, but when any NBA fan wakes up this morning, we woke up to the Brian Windhorst story about, <laughs> what was it uh, today was, LeBron James says Cavs are in a bad spot. Kyrie Irving indicates team meeting was held. And so... uh I guess the the smaller story is the TNT Bulls. This is like nineteen and zero or something that they are on TNT, and they beat the Cavs on national television. And predictably, uh, the unbeatable Bulls on TNT uh, were going to lead to LeBron being upset. Uh, before we get into uh, Denver and Portland and all the stuff we're going to get into today, what do you make of what's going on with the Cavs and this seemingly? never-ending cycle of Kyrie blaming himself, saying what he's going to say, LeBron saying what he's going to say. Um, do you think it's all stuff that we're going to look back and laugh at, or do you take all this seriously? You guys are like Nostradamus. You predicted it. Uh, yep. I want to know what the lottery numbers are next. That was really <laughs> impressive by you. I don't, I don't know what to make of the Bulls. I don't think any. I don't think the Bulls know what to make of the Bulls. Uh, but you're right. They do play better on national TV. The Cavs are a really curious case right now. I, like, I keep feeling like, I mean, we've seen forever, right, uh, whether it was with the Heat or with the Cavs now, that playoff LeBron is a different LeBron, and, and by extension he makes his teams better. But this is getting to a point of critical mass, no? Like, how worried are you about them? I'm starting to sweat it a little bit. They should be sweating it. They clearly are. Well, here's what I would say. it's it, it, Because at some point – Everybody keeps waiting for the, okay, see, we were all stupid to make such a big deal out of this. Like, if they would have gone last night and they would have won by 45 points on TNT, then that would have been the narrative, right? Like, okay, they're they're going to remind us. But everybody, like, keeps on waiting for them to remind them whether it was the big game against the Wizards where they got 71 hung on them in the first half, or it was that huge game earlier this week on national TV against the Spurs, and they got slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And then last night. And so at some point when you keep on waiting for, all right, 
When are they going to look like themselves again? When are they going to remind everybody that they're the defending champions? They, like, keep on having cracks at it in big spots with a ton of viewers, and all they do is, like, reconfirm that something's wrong. Yeah, that Spurs game, too, where they had everybody play and then they just didn't show up, that was really unlike them. Like, I get, like, towards the end of the season that, you know, they want to rest some players, but they had everybody in that game and it was terrible, and then they go out there against the Bulls and fall apart. And I'm I'm of, like, the belief, again, that, like, LeBron in the playoffs is just a monster and he's a completely different animal and he's going to turn it on and he's going to get them moving. But to the extent that, like, first-round series matter as we record this, they're lined up with the Heat, and they've had issues with the Heat this year. The Heat are streaking. Like, that could all of a sudden be, like, a potentially nasty first-round series for them. I think so, too. And the Heat, just they keep on coming at waves at you. And, you know, listen, they were 11-30 and 30 or whatever it was at the time. And so yeah. th- th- at some point, it's real when you win that many games in the time span that they've won those. Like, they're good. The Heat are actually good. And it was it was just very, very hard for us to get out of our mind that they were at once almost 20 games under five hundred. But that's it's obviously radically different now. Um, so yeah, I think the Heat. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to see them in the first round, whether it's Boston, Miami, whoever would end up facing the Heat. Nobody wants to see them. They're not a fun matchup at all. No, suppose a wizard, man. Like I don't know yeah. what he's done. Like I don't know where he falls on your Coach of the Year awards, but he's definitely uh, toward the top of my list. I mean, it's probably still Dan Tony for me, but like really, really close for what he's done. But if you're Cleveland, like with the way you're playing right now. You don't want to see the heat. You probably don't want to see anybody. I mean, like this infighting where they're just like, they're saying, you know, this is wrong and that's wrong and, you know, we've got to get it together. And, like, you, you're predicting a, a wind horse story. You never want to see – if you're the, the Cavs, you never want to see a wind horse story because you know it's not good. Like, that's basically the harbinger of something's wrong. Oh, for sure. I mean, hell, he's been he's been covering LeBron James since he was a fetus. So – if anybody's plugged in, it's Windhorse, that's for sure. He knows what's up there. All right, let's talk about what you went through uh, this week. The first article that you put out was about how a second-round unicorn and a 13-year vet saved the Denver season. And so talking to the guys in Denver witnessing that Denver Nuggets team, the big story is clearly Nikola Jokic, um, who has just been – out of his mind. Some of the stats you had in the article um, were that December 5th, uh, since December 15th, and this is at the time your article was printed earlier in the week, he's averaged 19 points, roughly 11 rebounds, uh, five and a half assists, and close to a three pointer, a block of steel per game, all while shooting 59% from the field. Um, and, and, and this all, like, if you can, just kind of give me a sense of. Everybody knew the story that he and uh, Nurkic, it it obviously didn't work together. Not only did it not work together, it was miserable as a pairing. And the choice was made where Jokic was coming off the bench. And so it's kind of, they all fell into it where Jokic was able to have this season that he's had. But you can't just kind of take me through how the season started, like how this all happened. And I know there's been a lot of, Mike Malone just fell into this, but if you can't just explain this ascent of Jokic this year after being around them. Yeah, it's been a really strange season for them. 
Because don't like I don't know uh, how much preseason basketball you watched. I watched probably more uh, than I should have. That my wife would have liked me to watch because I lead a completely full life. But Nurkic looked really good for them in the preseason. So they came out of the preseason where they're like, all right, well we're going to play him and we're going to play Jokic side by side, and then it just didn't work. And they figured that okay, well we'll stagger them. And at first they brought no uh, Jokic off the bench, and it was Nurk who was the the starter. And then they pretty quickly realized, like, by December that that wasn't probably going to work out. And part of that, I think, was because, you know, Nurkic, for whatever reason, like, he's a, he has a very specific skill set. Jokic just does more things on the court, right? I mean, we've seen it since December 15th where they made him the starter where, you know, he can shoot from outside. He's got a great inside game. He's a really good passer. Nurk's a good passer, but Jokic is, like, a ridiculous passer. And then beyond that, like you see times, a lot of times now, where they'll let him bring the ball up. I mean, Jameer Nelson was telling me that there are times where Jameer will inbound the ball to Jokic, and then Jameer will just make a beeline for the wing where he acts as like sort of a safety valve, like a fifth shooter so they can play five out. So I think, to Mike Malone's credit, whether he stumbled into it or not, they found the right guy. But obviously, like things weren't right for Nurkic in, in Denver. And it just like did not go well for him. Why would why do you think that pairing didn't work? It's weird. I mean, like, look at the way they they're playing now. Like, they're basically everything goes through Jokic, right? Mm-hmm. And like, they do have a lot of five out sets where they've got Gallinari and Gary Harris on the wing. Gary Harris, by the way, like his year over year improvement. I think he's hitting something like forty six percent on his catch and shoot threes, which is just bananas. And you know, like Wilson Chandler now is healthy and Gallo is healthy and like. They just want to play a different style, and that's not—it's not really Nurk's deal. Like he, he needs to be active, he needs to be involved, and they were kind of marginalizing him a little bit. And the two big things just didn't work for them. And like, man, how like the opposite is true in Portland. He looks so good for it's. The, talk about a trade that like helps both teams. Denver made the right move by making Jokic their guy, but. You can't like say enough about Portland and Neil Olshay by going out and getting Nurk. Like that was a steal for them. And you wonder if oh for sure it was a steal because they got a first round pick too for God's sakes and a first round pick that was bananas. I didn't understand it then. I definitely don't. Like things had to be really bad in Denver. Like for them to be like yeah we'll toss in the first just to make it happen. Well, and that's kind of the deal. You wonder if if Nurkic had just been a good soldier. And just, you know, it said all the right things and I'll do whatever it takes to help the team win and all that bull crap, right? Do they do they not make that like did it did it just become so toxic and his attitude become so poor? Because you even chronicled in the article, like he wasn't bashful about saying, Hey, this sucks. I want to be playing and a key was not he didn't sugarcoat being unhappy with his situation there, right? And so at some no, point not- I don't want to say force your way out, but you make it so that the management, it sure is easy. Nobody's going to miss you um, pouting in the locker room or saying that kind of stuff in the locker room. You're obviously pissed off. It's just better to break up, right? And then you make end up, end up making, in retrospect, probably a bad deal to get him out. But you do wonder if he didn't if he didn't get pouty and he didn't uh, if he didn't express his discontent. If if that just never even happens, right? Yeah, I'm. I, see, I, I'm kind of torn on this. I keep going back and forth because, like, the other night Lillard was just like praising him, right, and saying, 
you know, he definitely is blunt, uh, talking about Nurkic. And, and clearly he was in Denver, right? Like, he was popping off to, to the Denver Post all the time. And then, you know, when he, got, when he got sad, he was saying, you know, it's hard to feel part of the team. He's catching DNP CDs. He was barely playing, like, 16 minutes a game when he did play. So clearly he wasn't happy. And you heard everybody, anybody who covers the NBA heard rumors about Nurk being a problem in the locker room. But then look at what happened the other night, uh, that game that I covered in Portland, where they beat the Nuggets in Portland. After the game, even though he threw shade at them, a bunch of the Nuggets went over and hugged it out with him. It didn't look to me like they didn't like Nurkic. It looked like they really liked Nurkic. So for whatever he was saying over there, maybe they understood it. I mean, Jameer told me, and I put it in the piece, he's like, look, like, I don't know if it was Nurk or if it was the system, but like he, it just didn't fit for us and for the offense, and it obviously didn't fit for him. But he didn't sound like he, at no point did it sound like he didn't like Nurkic, and it didn't look like any of them didn't like Nurkic. So I wonder if it was more Nurkic rugby management the wrong way, because for you to offload, I like Mason Plumlee just fine, but Mason Plumlee is not Nurkic, and he doesn't have the upside of Nurkic, and Nurkic is on a better deal, and he's younger, and they offloaded a first-round pick in exchange for it. So I, I still feel like there's something else that we didn't know about it. Well, here's the other thing. I and maybe maybe this is unfair on my part, but I that 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 quote that you just brought up, the Nelson quote, right? My opinion is you don't bring up he he did it in a soft way, but you don't bring up the system unless you think it's the system. That's what I've what I've typically found is if somebody slips in there or maybe it was this right? And it has to do with coaching. It's a way to kind of say, hey, yeah, we knew he was really good and we should have figured out a way for it to to, to work here. Um, so maybe it was this or maybe it was that, but, you know, we wish him well. It, usually when that's said and you throw in the possibility that it was the system, that means that's what you really think. I think if you sat down and gave Jameer Nelson truth serum, he'd say, I knew Nurkic was good, and we should have figured out a way to use him better, but we effed that up. Yeah, I, and you know what? Like, it, it, There might be something there, because I like Mike Malone a lot. I think he's a good coach. I think he's been good for Denver. But if you look at their lineups this year, and part of it was like they had health issues, right? I mean, if you go up and down the lineup, they had a bunch of guys you know, I ticked off like how many games each of them had missed in the story, but had a bunch of guys who were hurt, right? So that he necessarily had to tinker with the lineups, how they were playing, trying to figure out what was going on. They sort of stumbled into, oh yeah, it's Jokic, okay, of course. But the lineups all season long, even when they were healthy, have been super, super squirrely. Like there was only two. There was one lineup before the Pelicans Denver game that had north of 150 minutes together, and that was with Mudiay, and they stuck him on the bench. And it was only after that Pelicans game that the Jameer Nelson-led lineup went over 150 minutes. So all they've done all season long was tinker. So I wonder, like, how much of that tinkering affected Nurkic. And then also, like you said, like, if you're one of the guys on the team, you're looking around, you're like, when are we going to figure out who's our guy? Now, we'll say this, though. At the very beginning of the season, if people could actually go back and listen to this, at the very beginning of the season, Mike Miller uh, came on this show, and I asked him, there's a bunch of young players on the team. You've seen Moodya, you've seen Jamal, you've seen all these different guys on your team. Who's the guy that could be a huge star? And he immediately said uh, Djokovic. 
and he said, oh. or Jok- Jokic, I'm sorry. He immediately said Jokic, and he said, "I." he told me he thought the kid could be a 10-time All-Star, and I was like, what? And then he said he reminded him a lot of Powell and Mark, two Gasol brothers who, who Miller had played with both of them, and he's like, and he's better and further along at his age than they are. So I know if Miller felt that way, you know Jameer felt that way. So there were at least guys on the team, because I'm telling you, Miller came on and said that in, like, October, that thought they had a possible 10-time All-Star on the team. And I could imagine that some of them probably, like, raised their eyebrows that it took until December 15th or whatever it was for Jokic to really take off. Um, Because it was recognized by guys, at least on that roster, some of the elder statesmen, how good Jokic was. So the idea that they would think, you know, maybe some some goofy lineups or uh, maybe they weren't uh, accentuating their best traits or best players, that's that's not far-fetched at all, right? No, no, I don't think so. But, like, you know, they had to find out for sure because don't forget, like, it's not like Jokic was a guy who everybody identified early on as, okay, he's going to be a superstar in the league. He was a second-round pick. Uh, he was coming off the bench. He was, you know, they tried him at power forward. There's a bunch of things that, that like, didn't indicate that he was going to be a massive superstar. Now, obviously, we look at his talent now, we look at the way that they're playing him, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy can do so many things on the floor. And as much as I love Nurkic in Portland, again, they definitely made the right move in Denver. Jokic is that much better. Uh, but Mike Miller loves him. I mean, like, those guys uh, play one-on-one, you know, during shoot-arounds pretty much every game, and, like, he just praises him all the time. But I know I know Mike Miller's your boy. Who has a better gig right now than Mike Miller? Just, like, hanging out and being the, the fun super sub on the bench and, like, you know, waving a rally towel. That guy looks like he's having the most fun in the NBA all the time. Oh, it is the best fun you could possibly have, right, being in that position. Because this is like, the, if, if you need me, you need me. But, you know, he doesn't have to uh, – he, he gets to collect <laughs> yeah. checks. He gets to collect checks yeah. and be like a mentor, right? Like, just be good for the team. He was rallying the the other day when they were playing one on one before uh, before tip. He was trying to get the crowd behind him. It was hilarious. He was like <laughs> trying to rally him off. It was great. It was great. But he looked like me, he was having a blast. Let me ask you about the Jameer stuff because. You know, obviously the, the article was about how Jokic and Jameer have helped save their season. And Jameer, who has been in the league for over a decade um, and has been on a lot of losing teams, especially recently. In fact, one of the quotes he had was, it's the first time in a long time that he's played in meaningful basketball games this late in the season. Part of it is got in better shape, uh, steadying presence. They don't need him to be a big score, whatever. But this is another one of those things that's happened with Denver, which clearly was not the plan. If you would have sat everybody down prior to the season, the hope would be that Emmanuel Moutier starts to show real signs that he is he was worthy of the very high draft pick in which he was selected with. Moutier's season, and I know some of it is because of injury, but his season has been a disaster, which... That's kind of the sidebar to the whole Jameer has really helped them, and who would have thought Jameer Nelson is the starting point guard on a team that's got a chance at the playoffs? The sidebar is 
it's really because of necessity because the other guy is so bad. What what do we make of uh before we get into the Jameer stuff, what do we make of Moody? Yeah, I mean that's a big mess. I, and he's still young and I think that you know if you're them you just hope that you know sitting him you're right though, like you just hope that um sitting him will snap him out of it next year and he's gonna do something, but you're right in that this is a real this is a problem. It's a problem for him. It's a problem for the Nuggets because they didn't draft him with the intention of like giving him DMP CDs all the time and going with Jameer Nelson, who's 35 years old and who could not get on the floor at the end of last season. They sat Jameer Nelson for the last 25 games of the season last season, and it really pissed him off. And he said, you know, like I'm going to come back and I'm going to I'm going to play. But you know, he's 35. He's not stupid. He, he's a really bright guy. He's a veteran. I've been watching the, this guy since you know I'm from Philly. I grew up right near where he went to, to high school. He went to St. Joe's. I went to a big five school. I've been watching him forever. And people have always underestimated him. But I think when you were talking about the Jameer Nelson truth serum, if you had given that to him before this season, there's no way he's going to go, yeah, man, I'm going to be starting by the end of the year and we're going to be fighting for the playoffs. Like Nobody would have thought that. And that would also have indicated something really bad had happened to Didier. And to the extent that he's healthy, it has. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the story for sure, right? Um, it's cool to have Jameer Nelson starting for your team and playing well and the team playing extremely well and him being a steadying presence, but it also shines a massive light on why is Jameer Nelson your starter? And the, and the answer yeah. is the answer is incredibly unfortunate if you're the Nuggets because I don't, I don't know if I'd buy any Moutier stock now, John. I really don't. Like, I... No... There, there, there was no progression, none. He, he does not look like it's gonna. I, I don't know. It last year, if you would have stopped and you would have said, "Could you see this guy in four years being a star or being one of the better point guards in the league?" I, I certainly wouldn't have written that off. I would have said it's possible. The guy's got the requisite athleticism. He's got size. You know, it takes a long time for guys, many guys, to figure it out. Uh, when they get to the NBA, um, it would have done him. You know what? And I, typically, I'm on the side of the roll my eyes about college basketball, whatever. I will say this: he would have been extremely well served to go play a year under Larry Brown at SMU. If all that grade yeah. shit didn't, if all that grade shit and all that didn't go down, I think Moody. I think I think he's a different player if he would have gone and played for Larry Brown for a year at SMU instead of having to, you know, go overseas like he did. Um, but that being said, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know on the, on the, on the Moody thing if I would buy any stock right now. Do you think there's any chance we look up in three years and we'll look back at that draft and think, wow, that was a great pick by Denver? I was just looking at the draft right now. Like, if you look at it now, and that, at present, is a massive mess for them. And, you, like, drafts are always uh, twenty twenty in hindsight, right? Like, the year that Giannis on the compo came out, everybody goes, well, I can't believe the Sixers took MCW and not him. Well, a bunch of teams passed on him. Like, he wasn't a team. Like, everybody passed on him. So you could really say that about, you know, who behind Mutier that you'd rather have. And right now, you'd rather have a lot of people. You'd rather have Justice Winslow. You'd certainly rather have Miles Turner. You'd definitely rather have Devin Booker. Um, I think, I mean, who knows? At this point, you'd probably rather have, like, Sam Decker or Kelly Oubre or somebody like that. But it's it's a real shame for Mutier because I'm with you. Athleticism-wise, you look at him and you go, 
he should be able to do more than he's been doing. And forget about the shooting. Like, the shooting is obviously not good, but I would have expected him to have a better, a bigger defensive impact, if he, if it, which is a lot of want to. But then I think, so this season, right, like, you go to, you go to Jameer Nelson because, obviously, Jameer Nelson is going to fit into your system. He's going to do what they've asked of him. Mike Malone said, you know, he's even playing differently. He's much more of a pick-and-roll scoring point guard, but they don't need him to do that right now. So they're using him as sort of like a safety valve outlet shooter, and he can do that, and he's happy to do that. But you go to Jameer Nelson, who's obviously not part of your future at the expense of Moutier, and you're probably still going to miss the playoffs because you only have two of your last eight games at home. It's a really tough schedule down the road. So what did you do that in service of? Like, if you don't make the playoffs and you've also marginalized Moutier, man, you're in a tough spot now. And you do wonder, do they get to the draft? And that will be that will be interesting to see if if they try to make a move, whether it's a draft uh, or, or whatever, if they – if they try to make a move uh, to get themselves a point guard in this off season, right? If the because you're not going to come back with Jameer Nelson being your starter, right? Right. And so, do you make a move? Right. I think going into next season, what point guards are on that roster with Denver, and does Denver have another point guard that they bring in, which makes it clear maybe they're just not. Maybe maybe they don't have as much stock in Moutier anymore either. Clearly the coach doesn't, right? But I'd I'd love to talk to the front office and see what they think. Do they think this is just a process and the kid went through some injuries this year and he's going to be fine, or are they starting to worry and thinking, we can't come back next season with Emmanuel Moutier as our starting point guard, right? I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, they've got a lot of decisions to make, like, Somebody asked me after I wrote that Nuggets story, like, are you bullish on them for next year? Would you want, like, season tickets? And it was kind of an interesting thought experiment because I do like their talent. I like the way they play. But where are they really in the Western Conference pecking order? I mean, where they are right now is probably where they really fall. Like, I like I like Portland better with Nurkic. They're, Portland, to me, is, like, the most exciting team in the NBA to watch right now. I like watching Denver. I think Gary Harris is a really nice piece. Will Barton can do some things for you. Obviously, Wilson Chandler and Gallinari are nice veterans, and Jokic is a monster, but what do what all those pieces add up to? Do they add up to a contender? I mean, you're right. I think that they need a point guard, but then what do you do with Mutier? You're not going to get, man, 50 cents on the dollar would be amazing, but are you going to cut bait already, or are you going to try to develop him? And if you do try to develop him more, that's probably at the expense of your overall wins and losses. It's a really tough spot. I think their, their offseason – is going to be one of the most interesting to watch because they could go in a lot of different directions. You think Murray's going to be a star? I like him. I like Jamal Murray. Um, I think he can do a lot of different things for them, uh, certainly shooting-wise. And he's so young still. Um, But you also have some redundancy there, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the same way that they have some redundancy in the front court where they were trying to get rid of you know, Nurkic and or Fareed, and they ended up offloading Nurkic, but not Fareed. You've got Gary Harris, and and you've got Will Barton, and you've got Murray, and they all kind of do some similar things. So how many of those shooters do you need? I mean, everybody needs shooters. Do you really need all of them? I don't know. No, I honestly, I would say this: they get an if they even if they could package some of that stuff, if they could get themselves an awesome point guard, unless Moutier is going to become it. If you had an awesome point guard and you had Jokic, you could fill in the other three, and you could you could you could be in the playoffs for 
seven, eight straight years. Trust me. And you can just fill yeah. in the blank. You can fill in the other guys. Trust, I mean, you're clearly going to have to have a third option, but it ain't that hard. You know, you've already got the one guy. And so, and the other thing is Jokic is a little different than your, than some of the bigs in that he's your, he can be your primary or secondary playmaker for the team. So you got yeah. two guys that can, you know, start all the actions that you're trying to do. Um, hey, listen, at least they, at, at worst, they got one piece for sure. And now you just got to figure out how to build around him. But at least this season has been productive in figuring out, okay, we've got a big time star on this team. Right. Yeah, and everybody wants a superstar like Jokic. I mean, like who? Not to mention that contract is insanely good. He's right. aver- like over the next two years, it's like one point five million on average. So relative to his production, I don't know, and his age. Yep. Like I wrote this in the piece. I don't know that there's a better contract in the NBA right now. They have one of the best players slash contracts in the NBA, and good for them. But they still have some definitely some questions to answer. All right, John, I'm going to ask you about being in Portland for a game and how much you liked the experience there. But before that, let me remind everybody that today's podcast brought to you by T-Mobile. So here's a question. Do you like Major League Baseball? Do you like watching Major League Baseball? Of course you do. I know I do. I catch every Cardinals game I can. Well, then you need T-Mobile because they're giving away a free year of MLB.TV premium. That's a $112.99 value, absolutely free, only for T-Mobile customers. And oh yeah, here's the best part. With T-Mobile One, unlimited data means unlimited baseball. Unlimited data, that means you can keep up with your favorite team from almost anywhere. Every pitch, every big moment, every walk-off home run, all without worrying about it blowing up your phone bill. Sound good? Here's how you get it. First, get T-Mobile. Obviously. Second, download the T-Mobile Tuesdays app from the App Store. Third, and this is important, on April 4th, you get a free year of MLB TV Premium in the T-Mobile Tuesdays app. That's it. Now just relax and enjoy out-of-market games, plus unlimited stats, highlights, and more from almost anywhere. Remember, on April 4th, get your free year of MLB TV Premium through the T-Mobile Tuesdays app, or go to T-Mobile.com backslash MLB. Top 3% of data users may notice reduced speeds, activate HD feature, otherwise video typically streams at 480p, web-enabled mobile device, and qualified service required. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Blackouts and other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details. Major League Baseball is back as the new season gets underway. The Ringer Podcast Network has baseball fans covered with the Ringer MLB show, playing exclusively on the TuneIn app for the month of April. On top of that, the Ringer Podcast Network has partnered with TuneIn to give baseball fans a free 30-day trial of the TuneIn Premium app to listen to every live home call of every MLB game around the league. Catch the Ringer MLB show only on TuneIn during April with your premium subscription, Listen to live MLB games on TuneIn. Just go to TuneIn.com slash Ringer and subscribe. Download the TuneIn app and start listening today. TuneIn, your everything audio app. All right, the other thing, we talked about Portland. You talked about how fun it was to watch. I I saw one of your tweets where you said uh, how much you loved watching a game there. What What was great in particular about the Portland experience in your mind? So I, I've covered uh, a lot of NBA in, in various cities. I'd never watched a game in Portland, uh, and I don't think it translates on TV, Chris. Like, like if you're in Portland, those people, like, 
the Portland fans, the Trailblazers fans, are really <clears throat> rabid. Like, they don't have anything. It's a beautiful city. There's a lot of stuff going on, like, non-sports-wise. But that's it, right? It's, like, literally the only game in town, unless, like, you're a soccer fan or whatever. Uh, but it's not the same thing. And so they go crazy for for the Blazers. Like, everywhere I went in town, people wanted to talk about Nurkic, uh, my, my Uber driver, you know, people in the hotel that I ran into, people on the street. And, like, just the environment in Moda Center was... Like, it was loud. People were excited. Part of that was because of the, the stakes of the game against the Nuggets. But I just thought it was an awesome atmosphere. And, man, they love Nurkic so much there. I mean, he's perfect for them and, and vice versa. Really? He, it, it's funny because he did even uh, say that at one point, right? Like, I, It's crazy because you never know how these trades are going to work out. But it has been a perfect fit. And you chronicled – I think you said – and this was uh, at timing of article – they were 13-6 and six since they got him, and their net rating was one of the best in the league. Like, do you think that they are, let's say they get the eighth seed, right? Now, you're probably just, you know, walking to an early grave when you're having to play against the Warriors. Um, but do you think that, do you think that's real? You know, maybe not sustainable that you would be 13-6 and six or 14-6 and six every 20 games that you play, but how much do you buy into the, the net rating is that of a really, really good team. The record is that of a really, really good team. Um, do you think that they are really, really good now? Yes, I do. I have do. so much fun watching them. Uh, everything for me really, like especially uh, like NBA-wise, ultimately distilled to the entertainment value. And, and, man, are they entertaining. But like I know it's a small sample size. Uh, after the Houston game last night, they're 14 and six. They climbed to fifth in that rating. They've won eight of their last ten. They're just putting up hundred or more points in almost every game. They look amazing. Um, but it really is about those three guys because, like, it's it's CJ and and Nurk and Damian Lillard and the other pieces are fine, but they have work to do there. I mean, like, I like Kraz. He can be a useful player. Harkless is okay. Von Lee's become like a useful rebounder. Um, Devin Turner, and I like E.T., it was nice to see the villain the other day. He had a, a, a quick aside, he had a bedazzled jacket on uh, <laughs> that had a curse word on the back because he's Evan Turner. And I was like, oh, right, Evan Turner, I forgot about you. You're a complete weirdo, and I love you for it. Um, but he's been terrible for them on the court. Uh, but those ancillary pieces, Chris, have not been great. It really is, like, their main three guys. And if those three guys are clicking – they can play with anybody. And if one of them is off, like down the stretch against Houston, you saw C.J. McCollum like went cold, and that's when Houston got in the game. And they had to like sort of fight back from it. But uh, I love those three together. And I think like Nurk for them, especially with his like post-screen passing, has just opened up so many, so many different ways that they can play now. Good enough to at least win a game or two against uh, Golden State? Like maybe a game, right? Yeah. I mean, they're still the Warriors. Yeah, like, I know. I, 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 the, that interior thing. Like, I look at it and I go, okay, well, Nurk's a beast, right? Like, what, what's been Golden State's like big issue this season? It's like Javale McGee has come on a little bit, but really, your your best interior player is still Draymond, and Draymond's great, and I love him, and he's an amazing defensive player, and he can guard anybody and switch on anybody. But if you're going to say, like, how would you maybe want to play, you'd want, you'd want to have somebody dominant in the post. But Golden State's going to figure that out. Like, if it's going to be 
Portland scoring 100 or more points in every game, right, like and trying to race you, well, Golden State's better at that. So, yeah, like maybe a game. Yeah, and, and well, Lillard has had some monster games. He loves playing against them, right? He has had some yeah. big numbers against them in the past. So, at the very least, we'd probably be in for however long the series went. We'd probably get a couple of just huge efforts out of out of Lillard because that's hometown, right? That's his. That's his thing. He wants yeah. to drop fifty in those games. So, I don't know. He wants hey, the playoffs too. I hey, mean, like, it'd be entertaining. He wants to make the playoffs. Yeah. Which Which do you think? Do you think Portland provides the most entertaining matchup? Oh my God! Yeah. The way yeah. they're playing right now, don't you want to see more Nurkic out there running around like clowning on people and trash talking them and like riling up the crowd? I hear. Like, all a right. Fun team. Now this is going to take a couple of weeks to come to fruition, right? I this is my this is my grand prediction. Um, I don't know if it w- it will not come to blows, but by game two of that series, Draymond and Nurkic will get into it so bad that there is like every every debate show the next day is talking about what took place. Either Draymond's going to kick him in the dick, or Nurkic is going to elbow him, or <laughs> like something. Something is going to happen between Draymond and Nurkic. Mark my words. It's it's a win horse story waiting to happen, man. Like those guys <laughs> are going to be all over each other. No, and that's why it's going to be so great because that's a, like Nurk. Lillard said it, man. He cannot keep his mouth shut. Like he just wants to mouth and tell you exactly. Look, he he got off the court, hugged all the Nuggets. And then, like, gave an interview where he was like, yeah, man, peace, have a good summer. Like, <laughs> him and Draymond are definitely going to get into it. Definitely. Uh, go check out the articles on theringer.com. They are authored by our guest, John Gonzalez. And uh, check out that Nikolai Jokic, Jameer Nelson article, and then the follow-up on Yusef Nurkic and what's going on in Portland. John, you're the man. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, man, this is fun. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will catch up with you next week. Today's Ringer NBA show brought to you by T-Mobile. So here's a question. Do you like Major League Baseball? Do you like watching Major League Baseball? Of course you do. I know I do. I catch every Cardinals game I can. Well, then you need T-Mobile because they're giving away a free year of MLB TV premium. That's $113 value, absolutely free, only for T-Mobile customers. And oh yeah, here's the best part. With T-Mobile One, unlimited data means unlimited baseball. Unlimited data. That means you can keep up with your favorite team from almost anywhere. Every pitch, every big moment, every walk-off home run, all without worrying about blowing up your phone bill. Stream, post, and share all things Major League Baseball. Sound good? Here's how you get it. First, get T-Mobile, obviously. Second, download the T-Mobile Tuesdays app from the App Store. Third, and this is important, on April 4th, 
Get a free year of MLB TV Premium in the T-Mobile Tuesdays app. That's it. Now just relax and enjoy any out-of-market games, plus unlimited stats, highlights, and more from almost anywhere. Remember, on April 4th, get your free MLB TV Premium through the T-Mobile Tuesdays app or go to T-Mobile.com backslash MLB. Top 3% of data users may notice reduced speeds, activate HD feature, otherwise videos typically stream at 480p, web-enabled mobile device and qualified service required, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission, blackouts and other restrictions apply. See terms of use for details.